it's a game really, right? It's, it's a game that we're in and you've got to win the game every night. All right, one, two, three, and... All right, so short circuit, a little spinoff of the circuit podcast at which me, Elijah Shaw, because I'm never around, I'm going to do my own little mini podcast. And I decided that I could, since I'm doing a podcast, I could bring my friends up. And so uh, today I've got a really cool guest. Um, what's interesting about this one is I talk to this guy pretty much every day anyway. But the, uh, the great part about it is that we're going to have a conversation that's kind of dedicated uh, to a specific topic like we always do in the short circuit. And today we'll be speaking with Sam Alicia, and we're going to be talking about a couple different things. But the, the one thing I do want to focus on is what Sam does in the touring space, particularly managing and running the security for multiple tours, both domestically and internationally. So first up, what's up, Sam? How are you? <laughs> I'm good, brother. So, good to talk to you it's again. <laughs> a, it is a little bit weird, right? Because we talk all the time. I guess a full disclaimer to everybody here. Sam and I work together and have worked together for years. Uh, he's I kind of consider him the backbone of, of my company, but he's got a wealth of knowledge. And so I just thought it, it would be doing a disservice if, if I had to short circuit brought on everybody else who were these subject matter experts. And, and then I didn't get a chance to, to pick Sam's brain on the podcast. So, so thanks for coming on, bro. I know you had a lot of stuff going on. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And it's, uh, it's good to be here. It's good to be yeah, on this end. Good stuff, man. So I, I, I'm sure you've heard the short circuit before, but I like to start off with kind of three rapid fire questions. Um, it, you don't have to require a lot of thought, just kind of the first thing that comes to mind, but it kind of sets the tone for the, the rest of the episode. So the first one I want to ask you is, what's the best thing about the protective services industry to you? Um, wow. I, well, I, I tell you, you know, you have to have a love for it. That's one thing. Uh, and, and a compassion. So to me, at the end of the day, you know, when it's all said and done, uh, everybody's safe. That's the best thing. That's, that's all I want to know. Everybody's all right. So it's, 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 it's just it's rewarding for you for a job well done. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So here comes the flip side of that, bro. Sure. So what's the worst thing about the business? To you? <laughs> the worst thing about the business is uh, for me, dealing with folks that that say they're one thing. However, when you see their skill sets, they're totally different. Mm. That's the worst thing for me. And, and again, yeah. I guess it's operationally, right? For me. Sure. Absolutely. And, and, we'll, and we'll dig into that in a little bit, too, about yeah. uh, exactly kind of what uh, a big emphasis of what you do and, and how you do it. Um, and then the third and, and final question is, and here we go. <clears throat> so I want you to name one person, living or dead, past or present, that you would like to provide or would have liked to have provided protective services to? Easy, John F. Kennedy. <laughs> oh man, all right. That's the first time I've heard that one. I mean, we've got a, a long list from Nelson Mandela. In fact, somebody even said Jesus. So I mean, you know, so JFK, <laughs> I guess that's self-explanatory there. Uh, I, I, I guess you would have changed history is what I'm thinking there. Yeah, I would love to have that. <laughs> <laughs> good, good stuff, Sam, good stuff. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, I, I want to dig into the, the meat and potatoes. And again, um, obviously, I'm, I'm very intimately familiar with your background. But in a, you know, in the protective services world, you spend a lot of your time on the operational side. Uh, a lot of the things that happen behind the scenes to make a detail 
run, to pick the right people for a detail, to troubleshoot the problems, all of those things, I mean, you're kind of intimately familiar with and, and have done for years. And so one of the focuses that I, that I want to talk about is you in kind of that touring space, uh, because that's the segment of the industry that a lot of people want to get in, but they don't necessarily know how to do that. Um, sure. And then, of course, when we, you and I talk about this all the time, there are people that get in it and they aren't doing it the right way. And then usually that kind of, you know, um, opens them up to a lot of exposure, opens the client up to a lot of exposure, and they could also sure. get disinvited to the party. Correct. But, but, but here's the first thing. Uh, so most people think that protective services kind of begins and ends with <clears throat> just standing next to the protectee. Um, but, you know, mm -hmm. I can attest you've had a successful career, you know, sometimes just doing the opposite of that. So, so what do you attribute that to? Um, well, you know, having uh, obviously started in the industry, I didn't just jump into uh, what I do now, right? Um, uh, having been on several details and, and understanding the nuances of the entire scope of a detail mm -hmm. is where I started realizing there's obviously other avenues to, especially in the entertainment industry, we, we really just hone in on just the entertainment industry. Obviously, you've got corporate and, 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 and so many other facets, but in the entertainment industry in and of itself, there's, there's more to just standing next to, as you said, next to the protectee. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think uh, a lot of folks that may get into the industry and they're looking into that segment of the industry as far as the entertainment segment, I think mm -hmm. they're, they have tunnel vision and think that that's what it's all about, just being next sure. to repeat. However, there's so much more to it than just, than just that. Got it. So, right, because, you know, the, the the visual the the 20 second tmz clip or the, you know the, the 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 thing on instagram might show the protectee and you know maybe you spot the 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 bg in the background but again there's a lot more moving pieces particularly for that to happen successfully correct um and and you my brother again i know you've been all over the world and you know many of those trips have, have been with me uh but what's been the coolest thing? Like, what, it, what have you enjoyed most about touring? Because obviously it takes you away from home and family, et cetera. But what, what have you enjoyed about the process? I guess <laughs> it may kind of sound cliche. It probably sounds very, very cliche. But at the end of the day, that, and again, I think I just mentioned that just a few moments ago, that everybody's home safely, especially, obviously, your principal. But in a tour setting, obviously, you've got the entire um, staff and, and those that are on tour. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, you get there early, in the, and at least I do, you get there first thing in the morning, <laughs> right? You get there first thing in the morning to a venue, you're at, a, at an arena, and I walk in there, and you know, besides you've got the, the riggers and folks that are, uh, you know, getting the stage and everything ready, but it's empty. The arena is completely empty. There's no one, there's no one in sure. the seats. And to me, it's that, that, that fulfillment, the feeling of knowing that, first of all, I'm in here first thing in the morning, there's no one here. I know that there's gonna be challenges throughout the day um, and things that I'm gonna to have to overcome. You've got the show at the end of the show, principal's gone. Once those tour buses are out of the arena and everybody is gone, you know, that feeling sure. of, to me, almost every night, it's a feeling of success because, you know, it's a game really, right? It's, it's a game that we're in and you've got to win the game every night. 
you don't, mm. you don't have, you don't have room to, to, to lose the game. You know, that's why I said it's kind of cliche, you know, saying that, you know, Hey, <laughs> it's at the end of the day, this, sure. is, this is what I'm, you know, pleased about, but that's what it is. I think that's the most rewarding thing for me. Uh, and I think that's the best thing about touring. Of course, other people may say, well, you get to travel and see the world and et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. However, on tour, for example, you can go to Paris five times on tour and, and see the Eiffel Tower from the tour bus, but never get a chance to actually, quote unquote, sure. see the Eiffel Tower because you're just moving, moving, moving. So, sure, that's that's fun and, and, and being able to travel and, and see the world. But to me, it's just a rewarding thing uh, at the no, end of the day. Yeah. I, I get it, bro. And and, you know, it, it might be a little cliche in a general sense, but I, I know it's true with you. And one of it, part of it is, is because of the dedication that you have to the craft. And I'm, I'm not just saying that because, you know, you're, you're on this call with me and I'm not just saying this because we work together, but it's, I get to observe you kind of, you know, from a distance too. And I know that when the guys turn in for the night, you're still working on a project or you're, you're, you're working on either the current one or the next one. And then the next morning you're up at that point, And then you're also troubleshooting, all the things that happen during the day. And, and so, you know, you mentioned that it is a game or it's like a puzzle and you've got to put all the pieces, you know, in the right place and you have to win this. And so, you know, there's a, a, a variety of challenges, you know, particularly in that entertainment sector, particularly in that touring environment, which is, is extremely dynamic. But what do you find the most challenging operationally when you're out there, which is different than when you're in the office, you have you know much more control over the things that are going on. But when you're out there in the field in real time, trying to manage all these things, what, what do you find the most challenging? Uh, one of the biggest challenges I see is every day you're at a different location. Every okay. day you're at a different venue. So when you walk in, every day there's different personalities you have to deal with as far as mm. the administration from each venue. Um, and I think one of the biggest challenges is dealing with all of those objections that are going to come your way that, you know, they're going sure. to come, they're coming right. and there's different objections or the, you know, I should say the objectors, <laughs> the individuals mm. that are going to be the objectors, right? So they, um, the objectives and, and every day you're going to go in and it's a different set of folks. So it's a different security director. It's going to be a, a different security supervisor. It's going to be it's different person every day. So you've got that challenge of being sure. able to have to overcome all those objections that you may come uh, mm -hmm. come across on a daily basis. Got it. And and you know, I think one of the 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 issues is is that depending on the experiences they've had with other teams before, they might already have a jaded idea about whatever the detail is that's now moving into this space. Correct. Correct. So one of the biggest things that you have to kind of overcome as far as those objections is they already have a preconceived idea as to who's coming in, sure. whether they've had bad experiences with other security personnel, whether they've had experiences with other security personnel that didn't have formal training. Uh, so their mind is in their mind, they're thinking, Oh, Here's this another bodyguard, right? Or right another right. security guy that I've got to deal with who's just the, the same guy that was here yesterday that I was dealing with that had no idea what he was doing. 
Um, so they had those kind of uh, preconceived ideas in their mind. So you've got to, you have to be able to, you know, overcome that and, and build that relationship quickly. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it has to be done quickly. You only have just but a few hours to kind of get things done. So you got to mm -hmm. overcome that and, and show them that you know what you're doing uh, and, and that you're professional. And uh, once you can kind of get around that, you can start building that relationship. And it has to be done quickly in a matter of hours, right? Right. Because from, from their perspective, and, you know, we've, we've talked to a lot of venue managers, this is their house. And then all of a sudden, you know, us visitors, and even though, you know, we might be representing the client who might be a marquee name, we come in and we start throwing our weight around. And so if it's not done tactfully, they're automatically going to put up kind of a, come into a defensive stance, right? Absolutely. So there's always that wall that, that is there that you get, you have to get that, you have to bring that wall down uh, because again, it is their home. So you're, you're coming in and you're, you're, basically telling them this is what we want to do for the day mm -hmm. uh, and they do things a certain way it's the way they always do it they do it for you know every show uh, for mm -hmm. every event and you may decide for whatever particular reason that you'd like to do something that's not the norm for them and you need to convince sure. them that what you would like mm -hmm. to be done is 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 the way to go for the night Maybe not be so, for tomorrow night for someone right, else, right, but right, for tonight, right. this is the way it needs to go. So so, so I got to ask, and I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, sure. you know, and, and ask, you know, what Mark James calls the, the secret sauce. So how, how have you been, like, what's your technique or a portion of your technique that helps you kind of break through that, chip through that barrier? You know, one of the things that I think a lot of uh, folks need to understand in this industry is that we... A lot of what we do is, is communication, 100% communication. We have to have those skills to be able to communicate with these individuals in order to get what we want done. And there's, you know, everybody talks about that verbal judo, right? Mm -hmm. And you, use, you can use verbal judo in, in a, a multiple different types of ways. And, and to me, you have to have that personality. You have to be able to communicate in, in a specific way to have, again, like you said, Mark James talks about that secret sauce. The secret sauce is you can't come across as that knuckle-dragging bodyguard uh, or right. that, that, that security team that's going to stand there and say, this is the way it's going to be done, whether you like it or not. That's not going to mm. fly. It's sure. just not going to fly. Sure. So there's some, there's some tact to it, huh? Absolutely. You have Got to it. be tactful. Well, so let, let's stay on that topic for a second. When you talk about communication and, 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 and how we relate to others, so, you know, in that case there, we were talking about how the protective detail relates to the venue security and venue operations. But for a lot of the tours, we're in, you know, hopefully a fortunate position where we can work with a team where maybe it's, you know, normally if you're with your protectee, it's you as a solo operator, or you might be blessed to have a two-man team. But, it, you know, in, in a touring environment, you might have additional security resources. And, you know, again, I could speak from, from my personal experiences, you know, you, you run some pretty large teams there. And so let's talk about communication as it relates to that, because we know when you put a team together, you're going to have different personalities. And particularly when you're out on the road for an extended period, 
you're going to have those personality conflicts. So how do you and in, in, in your role, how, how do you manage those conflicts? Great. Um, there are there, there are conflicts that will arise. It's just uh, it's in the nature of having a team. Right. Um, I think mm-hmm. one of the one of the things that that I try to understand is to try to figure out what the conflict is. Is it really a personality conflict? Or perhaps it might just be a conflict where a certain individual, because of their personality, is understanding the the job in a certain way. Okay, sure. You may have one personality and you may interpret what your role and your responsibilities are in a certain way. Another mm-hmm. personality would will will interpret that differently. And they would do the same job differently because of their personalities. Does that necessarily mean there's a conflict in personalities or is it more of a conflict because of um, how they they perceive what they're supposed to do? Um, So one thing is I try to figure that out first and whether or not it's actually a personality conflict or it's just because of a person's personality, they do the job a certain way. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense. No, 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 I'm I'm feeling you could, because I think what you're saying is, is that you got to get a sense from each person what the issue is. And a lot of times the issue is just their understanding or maybe their misunderstanding of the role. Right. Right. And, and so I think where, when, you know, management from operational level, our challenge is to kind of decipher that and be able to kind of kind of bridge that gap. Now, obviously, sometimes that, that can happen. Um, and, and to your point, when you mentioned earlier, when you're on a tour, you've got a limited amount of time uh, and a limited amount of resources. We never have as, as many resources as we need to. So you got to kind of get those problems solved quickly, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, right. 100%. Um, and, you know, with, with that said, also, it's that unrealistic expectations. You know, this, is the particular individual have unrealistic unreal, expectations of the job and another team member, there's conflict there because they're thinking, okay, there's some unrealistic expectations as to what's supposed to be happening here. But it's not necessarily um, a personality conflict. Mm-hmm. You know? Right, so a lot of it can get, can get boiled down to kind of a, a misunderstanding. Correct. I'm Absolutely. tracking. So if we're, if we're talking about a tour, um, and we know that, a, a, you know, I kind of like describe it like a tour is a combination of like the routine mm-hmm. and the unpredictable, right? <laughs> you know, every day you go into a venue, like you said, that venue is empty, right. but you know, it's going to be filled with thousands of people. You know, right. you're going to have to separate the front of house from the back of house and make sure right. all these safeguards are in place. That's yep. the routine. Cause you repeat that the next show, the next show, the unpredictable is you know, when these things occur that you didn't have in the playbook for that day, but you know something's going to happen. Whether the piece says, hey, you know, I'm going to bring this guest artist on stage or I'm going to jump in the crowd or, you know, right. or, I mean, obviously a variety of things. So I guess my question is, because for some people, they can't deal with those two things simultaneously. You know, some people are built for structure. Some people the unpredictable, they can kind of thrive in that, that chaos. But when you have to have one foot in both worlds, some people just have a meltdown and they don't do anything. So I, how, how do you balance that? Yeah, definitely. You know, on tour, I mean, you don't know the next 
hour, let alone the next day, what's going to happen at, at another venue, right? So every venue is different. So there's definitely unpredictable uh, situations that, that come up. But I think the biggest thing for me is what I try to do is prioritize whatever the issue is or what the challenge is for the day or for the given moment. Uh, there may be a few things that come up in, in the scope of a day that have to be handled, but I try to prioritize. Once I figure that out, I prioritize that, I adapt, which is the biggest thing that I think a lot of people need to understand in, in the touring uh, sector is that you need to adapt. There's always something you have to adapt to, but I try to prioritize, then adapt, and then prioritize again in, mm, in order okay. to- So you're constantly reshuffling the cards. I'm constantly you know, adapting and then prioritizing what they are. I try to think ahead as to some of the situations that may arise at particular venue or whatever. Uh, and then I always try to have a plan B for mm -hmm. sure. I always try to have a plan B. And I think that with a plan B, it probably more than likely for me, it keeps that frustration of all these challenges at bay. And it minimizes that if I, if I know I have a plan B um, to, to, to basically fall. because Because what you're saying is you're, you're saying your your plan B is if you already have it, then it's not a, a surprise if you have to implement it, right? Correct. So you you don't have to pull your hair out because <laughs> you already got it in the chamber. <laughs> right. But the I biggest it, thing is you, you constantly have to adapt. It's just, uh, and move on the fly. It's the, uh, the biggest, um, I think it's the biggest trait that you can have, uh, especially on a tour, is the, the ability okay. to adapt to it. So, so there's a couple of things I've got out of this conversation. One is the ability to communicate. Mm -hmm. And then two is the ability to adapt. So those are like vital components, right? Yes. And so, again, I know we're going to have listeners that might have an interest in this segment of the marketplace and perhaps they don't know how to get into it. Mm -hmm. So from your perspective, as someone who hires uh, protective agents that go on tour, you know, those two things notwithstanding, what are some of the things that you look for when, when you're hiring? Well, of course, um, operationally, I mean, there's, there's no substitution for training, right? Um, so we, we definitely want um, individuals that have the, the proper training uh, and the background. However, when you, when you kind of hone it down to specifically touring, mm -hmm. if you look, I'm looking for folks that have well, it, it kind of goes back to the very beginning of our conversation. We talked about personalities just a few moments ago. Mm. You, know, you, you, you want to understand some of these personalities of these individuals. Hopefully, uh, if, if you've had any, uh, I guess, interaction with these individuals, you know what their personalities are like. From a resume, it's kind of hard to figure out somebody's personality, right? But mm -hmm. uh, if you've had any interaction with them, I've worked with them before, if you vet them correctly, uh, you can definitely find out, uh, you know, a person's personality. So that's, that's definitely number one, uh, somebody's personality traits, their communication skills, um, depending on maybe some previous jobs they've had, uh, you can basically figure out if they have that kind of communication skills that you need, because there's a lot of problem solving as far as uh, a, a tour is concerned. And, and again, we're talking about that adapting, you know, so problem solving uh, skills is a, is a plus, is a plus. Mm -hmm. And then as far as getting into the industry, I would just suggest to, to most everyone is 
don't go for the don't go for the big fish right we just want to keep it simple <laughs> right don't go for the big fish sure. you know there there are plenty of venues there are plenty of things that you could do in your um in your hometown whether it's a, a convention center or working these venues and understand basically the nuances of events and event security because mm -hmm. a world tour is just that on a larger scale it's on a huge scale but if you can get into working at a location where you're doing venue security and you're working uh, at a location where you you're doing stuff back a house and you understand some of those nuances there uh, you definitely will be able to get your foot in the door uh, a lot easier than someone who has no clue whatsoever uh, of anything as far as touring is concerned so and I, I just want to make sure we're, we're clear here so you're not saying that the person who's an usher when you walk into you know a Rolling Stones concert they take your ticket they're qualified to provide protective services on a tour with, with the major artists is is that no 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 not, not at all but you're saying that being in that world will expose you right and get and get your comfort level and because I agree with that um and one of the things is you know you could have someone with a really impressive resume but if you put them in that setting there's nothing to say that they won't get starstruck you know oh, absolutely <laughs> yeah or or, absolutely. or, 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 or over overwhelmed you know absolutely. all of these people etc and so and you know and again i know i'm preaching to the choir here because you've seen it so how does a person communicate that to a potential decision maker someone's you know hey sam I want to do this touring stuff. You know, I've got, you know, X amount of years of experience in EP. Well, you know, why are you going to pay attention to them over someone else? Like what, what's going to make them stand out for you? Definitely. The biggest thing is I want to know what kind of, what kind of uh, venues they've worked in. I want to know what kind of details they've worked as far as, is it just this? And again, you know, we talk about EP and all these, you know, ninjas and skills and all this, you know, we, we hear it all the time on social media and, and all the skill sets, which, which, which definitely we need, no, without a doubt, we need it. But I want to know, where have they worked? Where, what types of events have they worked at? What were they doing at those events? You know, were they doing, uh, were they working in, in the pit? Were they working uh, in the back of house? What were their roles and their responsibilities at different venues when they've worked venue security? But definitely, mm -hmm. Uh, that's something that I want to look into. What types of what types of venues they've worked at? What types of events they've done? No, I I get it, uh, and I and I really think you know, and and you touched on it. The communication piece is is so vital because they have to successfully communicate that to you. They've got to communicate that to that decision maker. That hey, if you put me in this position, I won't embarrass you. You know. I won't fumble the ball when it when it comes my way. Uh, and and I think that's one of the biggest hurdles because there are people that end up in these roles and they aren't qualified for them, you know, and those are the ones that you kind of, you know, you see on YouTube or you, you see on TMZ because that moment of truth happened, you know, and how they responded, you know, maybe they reverted to their lowest level of training. You know, if, if all their training was, was in, in, in college football, and somebody jumps on the stage, you can't blame them for tackling them, you know? And, and sure. so part of that has to be, they have to give you a sense that they are level-headed enough, right? Or, or even-tempered enough, can, can take instructions and follow instructions well enough 
that you would trust them, you that you would put your name to them to bring them on board. Is that right? Absolutely. And, and, and like you just mentioned, I think that there's a time and a place for all those different skill sets. Like you said, you could, you could go ahead and tackle somebody when, when necessary, but, but that's not the, the, the 100% right, full, default well-rounded, right. That you exactly a default that they need to go to. So without a doubt, um, that's definitely those skill sets are very important. Well, that's great, man. I, I know I, uh, I got a lot out of this conversation because it gives me a little bit of insight into how your brain works, but I got you to articulate it versus, uh, you know, you just make it happen like you've done for me for all, all these years and stuff. So, uh, but, I, but I'm sure other people got some value with it. Um, again, if, uh, if you have any interest in connecting with Sam, he's, 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 he's not active on social media, but he's always there behind the scenes. And so uh, I know one of the ways that you can reach out to him is in the NABA Protector app. Uh, Sam's one of the administrators there. You can kind of drop him a line there uh, if you want to know about getting some more information in that space. And my brother, thank you very much for uh, jumping on here with me. I know we'll be talking tomorrow about a, a variety of other things. So, um, so I, 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 I appreciate you. Thank you, it was an honor. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.